Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have Bella Kotick on the line with us today. Bella, how are you? Hello, hello, John. Thanks for having me. I'm very well. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Bella, can you give uh, the listeners a quick introduction to who you are? Yeah, sure. So I'm Bella Kotick, a fine art fairy tale photographer from the UK. Um, I would sort of describe my work as very feminine-driven empowerment, floral-heavy because I love flowers and nature, and storytelling. Um, so yeah, that's me pretty much in a nutshell. <laughs> Elevator pitch, 10 for 10. I love that you said fairy tale because I felt like I was living in one going through your website yesterday and looking at all your work. And I would just love to get sort of a, an indication of like how your career started, how you kind of developed this incredibly unique, ethereal, beautiful, um, fine art based, uh, photography that is sort of in this uh, you know, a- angelic realm. Um, so what was like the, the process to the start of your career? Oh, well, it makes me firstly very happy that you felt like you fell down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I <because did. laughs> that's, that's my goal. I literally, with my pictures, my goal is to just invite people into another world. And so whenever I hear that from somebody, it makes me super duper happy. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so basically, oops, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I was saying, talk to me about like how you started your career, like what sort of drove you to photography and like what was the process like to developing this incredibly unique style of yours? Well, you could tell my ADHD really kicked in there. Um, <laughs> I know, I have so the same issue, I... it's fine. <laughs> okay, great, so this is going to be super fun. <laughs> Um, I sort of fell into it by chance, as I think a lot of people do when it comes to photography. Um, I'd always been the kind of person to take pictures. My dad had a camera, which I loved to play with, because it just felt like very special to me, even when I was little, to immortalize moments in time. I just always thought that that was something that I was always naturally drawn to. So even though I've been interested in the arts, I used to paint and draw and sculpt and do all sorts of things. I wanted to be an artist and yet I never really found something that really felt that this would be like the tool that I could use to share stories and share my vision. And while I was very lost trying to figure this tool out, um, I started, I needed to go to university because I was at that stage in my life and I chose to do architecture. Mm. mainly because it had the letters for art in it. (laughs) And my dad wouldn't let me go to like art college because he was like, no, 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 I would much rather you go to a university. And I was like, okay, dad, middle finger, I'm picking a (laughs) subject out of the blue that has the letters for art in it. So (laughs) that happened to be architecture. I love that. And yeah, so in that course, I needed to learn a bunch of programs. And Photoshop happened to be one of the main programs. And I didn't know anything about it. So I would jump online looking for tutorials or any sort of information I could find and quickly discovered Flickr. Mm. All of these artists were like going Photoshop heavy on the images. It was Flickr and DeviantArt, to be fair. And on Flickr, there was a 365 project taking a photo a day. Um, So yeah, I started this 365 project, thought that it would elevate me in terms of Photoshop. And then what it actually did was introduce me to nature. 
and introduced me to being outside and connecting with the camera and realizing that this was a really fun way that I could express myself. And then really my photography is an evolution of that 365 project from the very beginning. Mm. I now know, well, I sometimes am in front of the camera, but often I'll use other people to sort of project myself onto. Mm. So things that are happening in my life, I will, you know, reach out to a friend or something. Yeah, a friend or have like items in my life, like wings or like just props, props collect a bunch of props so that whenever I have something I want to like create, I can just sort of reach out to them, ask a friend to model for me and just sort of create something that sort of looking back now, I can really see the connection that it had with my life at that time. That's awesome. And mm, so that's really how I'm where I am right now. It's like the fairy tale world was there from the beginning. It was, it started out with me being outside, me learning about the seasons and the bushes and times of day that I like to shoot. And then suddenly I like I would reach out to a friend and be like, can I work with you? And it became easier to do that because I was more in control then of taking that picture because I was behind the camera and I could jump into the scene, tweak it, uh, like direct them. Uh, whereas it's a lot harder when you're in front of it. Mm-hmm. So that's how the evolution to where I am right now sort of started. And then what really drove it was this real deep need to escape from my reality because that's what the 365 project became for me. It became like something in a moment in the, every day I had like an hour that I was creating something. So I was escaping from my reality. And then I ended up, you know, working in an architect's office and finding myself really unhappy and lost and very confused knowing that I was not on the right path but I didn't know how to get on the path the correct path and if there was one and what that looked like yeah and so photography sort of became like my lifeline and that's and because of this projection that's why the world became sort of more and more elaborate Mm -hmm. because as I started to get more skill with each photo they just it just naturally evolved and suddenly I want to whisk everybody away <laughs> from <laughs> I, their reality. I wonder how much of it started off as like the one thing that you can control, right? Because you were doing yeah. something that you didn't love, right? Being working in an architectural office and you always had this desire to do something else and that hour a day became like this escapement for you and like the only thing that you could kind of control at the time. Um I went through a very sort of ser- uh, similar experience. Like during the pandemic, I was working for a real estate company and I lost my job and I, like the world ended, right? Like it was in the middle of the pandemic. I had no yeah. idea what to do. And it was like sort of this, what can I control? And I packed my car and I packed it with film and a bunch of cameras. And I just like drove around the country for about a month. And it was like the only thing I could control, right? Like I was lost in this sea of yeah. madness that was going on, but it gave me that singular outlet of, okay, well, I know I need to find a place to sleep tonight and I can take pictures and sort of like live through what this trauma is right now. So I'm, I'm curious, do you think that like when you started realizing that this was the thing that you wanted to do, it became something more that you needed to like you know, be very cognizant of and and sort of build your life into? Oh my gosh, I feel like this is going to turn into a therapy session (laughs) because you're not wrong. And I never thought of it that way. But actually, that would explain my like controlling tendencies. Mm. 
And I always, I labeled it as, oh, I'm a perfectionist. But the reality is I need to be in control. And that's why I would have another girl or girls or um, like people in front of my camera because I had more control being behind the scene, capturing the scene and the vision. And, and yeah, you're right. Like I work by myself most of the time. So a lot of what you see, it, like literally 90%, I would say, is me and the model by ourselves. Because mm-hmm. I would do the hair, I would do the makeup, I would source the styling, piece it together as I'm styling it. Then I would like design whatever scene that I want to. So there I am set designing. And my goodness, it's all <laughs> about control. I mean, that's awesome. I, I struggle a lot of times. I mean, you have an incredibly uh, unique style. You have a like an attention to detail that I, I struggle with when it comes to being creative, right? And I'm curious, like, did you have like a, a like a large imagination as a child? Like, were you reading a lot, watching a lot of movies? Because a lot, like, I see that in your in your photography and your art. And I was similar, like I read a lot, watch a lot of movies, but I don't get that from my images. So did you have that sort of playfulness as a child? Yeah, always, ever since I was little. I always used to, one of my favorite things to do was whenever we were driving, looking out the window and like imagining myself, like using the landscape. So like hopping along <laughs> the, um, the telephone wires or like springing to the moon or just something silly. Like I was always imagining something and always daydreaming, always watching like anything visually pretty. Um, I read a lot. So my mind was always filled with like very vivid sceneries and landscapes and journeys and tales and trials and tribulations. And I feel that I'm the person I am genuinely because of all the characters' lives that I've had like, the joy of living through in books mm. and the lessons they've learned. I've like, I, I, love I feel that. like books, books brought me up a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm super curious. So, so you went through like what everyone does, right? You go to high school and university and then like, you got to go get a job and like, you realize you're not happy and you're like, what can I do? And you start filling your time up more and more with photography. And then you start gaining traction. You're doing bigger projects. You're doing cooler things. Um, at the beginning, what like sort of inspired you to initially pick up the camera and what sort of, um, what does it for you now, right? I'm, I'm sort of curious about the different sort of inspirations that you strike from like your first chapter to chapter now. I think in the beginning it was learning Photoshop. And then because I didn't have, because I hate letting people down, it made more sense to take pictures of myself. And one of the things I always struggled with was like self-image. I never, it sounds kind of wild to say, but I never really accepted my vessel. Hmm. Never connected with this human body that I have been gifted with. I never connected with it when I was little. I really didn't understand why I didn't have red hair or like a green tail like Ariel or <laughs> why I didn't look like Pocahontas. I, 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 you know what I mean? I like, yeah. used to really really struggle with that um and especially self-image i hated being in photos so it made sense for me to be in front of the camera because i had control of that narrative i hoped through it that i could build a better relationship with myself by seeing that myself in a different way from a different viewpoint like that i did belong in 
magical land and I did belong in you know pretty pictures because I never thought that was possible possible for somebody who looked like me it's so serious silly but now I understand it more because it was just a very very big lack of representation sure of skin tones back then yeah totally. in mainstream media mm-hmm. so no wonder I felt like I couldn't re- relate to myself because I was relating to all of these characters and none of them looked like me no they all were you know six foot one blonde Swedish women they're right? just yeah. pretty girls yeah. yeah like pretty usually Caucasian characters in books in all the in all the fantasy books is you it's, it's very rare to find like an Indian girl yeah right <laughs> Um, it's why I didn't go into acting either because at the time I really wanted to go into acting um, but yeah anyway that, coming back to it I that's how I started like that's why I picked up the camera to and that's why I put myself in front of the camera and then now after sort of going down this whole journey of like creating characters and projecting myself I'm now on the other side where it's really important to me to really represent that diversity that I never, I didn't have when I was younger. Mm. And initially when I was sh- shooting, so if you go through a lot of my Instagram, you will see that it's a lot of, you know, I would say a lot of Caucasian women, mainly because I live in the countryside in Oxford and all of my friends are English. And I tend to work with whoever's near and around me. And at that time, I didn't really think about um, that narrative of you know the importance of representation at that time it was more about you know who who's available tomorrow mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas now i have that privilege and now i really consciously do go out of my way to find models in front of me who are representing all body types all colors or you know aesthetics mm-hmm. because you know beauty is confidence like beauty is confidence yeah um so yeah i love that that's where i am right now do you think it's also like, I, f- I feel like we, we're we living in an ex- interesting time to be a photographer because there are not as many constraints as there was like, say, even like five to 10 years ago about like who you create the images and the art with. So it's like sort of a freeing time where there's no constraints to the who, what, when, where, why, and how. It's like, as an artist, you're given this lateral freedom to create. And it's almost, I hate to use this term, this is so douchey, but like the market will decide if your work is good or not. And I hate a lot of that is like mob mentality on social media, which we could talk about for hours. But it is also sort of freeing in that there's no constraints anymore. At least I don't feel that way, you know, as a white male photographer. Like, I don't feel... Like I have to shoot just white women or like I could do whatever I want. Like it's, it's, it's sort of nice because there's no constraints to what I want to create. And I don't know if you, you agree with that or yeah. I completely agree with that. And I actually really, really hope that we are going more into that world. So right now, so you're in the States, I'm in the UK. We have both of us in our countries had a huge shift in the market, um, embracing diversity and that is wonderful. I still think there's a long way to go. So long. But we're, yeah, but we've started. Yeah. And that's so important. Um, I was just in South Africa and we were working with a lot of girls there who, who are of mixed ethnicities. And they still said that in Cape Town in particular, which is where we were based, they really struggled because a lot of the jobs was not, were not going to them and they were not even considered. Mm. So it just goes to show me that their market still needs to possibly 
and and not just that, but like there may be many other places for totally. a particular market really this the same evolution that we have. It's a, it's an interesting so, time to be an artist, yeah, because there yeah. are like traditional media outlets where they're going to want that traditional looking campaign, and then there are mm. other spaces, mostly I would say digital, less like you know commercial traditional, that are open to artistic interpretations of what that photographer or creative director's images for whatever that campaign would be and it's it's great it is like step two of 30 but like we're getting there like yeah. it's like the baby steps have <laughs> have certainly we're getting started there. and we start and we start and we share and we create with the intention to change the world through yes art. i love that so, i i think yeah. it's funny that like so i've been a longtime twitter user we met on twitter through a twitter space mm. and I, I find that the community around twitter specifically for photographers is just exploding right now it's just such a really cool unique time to be an artist on a social media platform that seems to be embracing them versus a place like Instagram, where if you're a still image photographer, they're like, basically, fuck you. Um, I'm sort of curious about your relationship with social media um, from an art perspective, and then also from an individual perspective, like just you as a user, and then you as the artist. Oh, that is such a great question. Thank you. Um, You really, as a user, I love social media. I think it has great power for change and great power for destruction. Mm. And it's a double-edged sword. And how it is used is usually within your own control. But sometimes social media is a really horrible place, especially when it's out of your control. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been fortunate that for me it's been pretty good. It's been a safe space. I've been able to share my work. Uh, as an artist now, I've been enjoying social media because I've been able to share my work and really utilize the, the support that I've been able to somehow receive to motivate me and inspire me to continue on my artistic journey. Because I believe if it wasn't for social media, I don't think I would be creating this art. Oh, genuinely. Wow. Genuinely. Because I'd been searching for so long and like for painting and drawing at that time, there was no social media place to share it on. And so I never, I would create all this art, but I never really knew how to get it in front of people's uh, people. But immediately with photography, which I started sort of at the rise of Instagram, I managed to like have immediately the space like Instagram and Flickr and Facebook where I was able to share visuals and they were able to get attention. And suddenly I had all these lovely comments and I wanted to still receive them. So I would still like create more art. And it was like, I want to see more. So I'd be like, okay, I'll make more then. And it was because of social media that I am exactly where I am at this point in time because that, of that support. That's awesome. I I agree from an inspiration perspective. I you know, when I, I'm like when I find new artists like yourself and I'm like taken away to this place where you come at some we do the same thing, right? From a completely mm. unique, otherworldly perspective, it's inspiring. It like gets my creative juices flowing, it gets my artistic desires to create going. And I think in that regard it's a great great, great help for me specifically. And you mentioned therapy. These conversations are sort of like therapy and I use them as creative fuel because I think so often that we're in a space where it's incredibly 
incredibly um, competitive. And it's very yeah. easy to pit one artist against another for dollars, right? Because at the end of the day, we all need to pay our rent. And mm. I was almost trying to come at these conversations and this space in a completely different way in that a rising tide lifts all ships, right? We're in a really unique time in the art world where there's a lot of money coming in and there's a lot of creative freedom coming in, which makes it a great place to be. And it doesn't have to be, oh, they've got 10,000 followers and I've got 1,000 followers and they sold mm. this for that much. And it couldn't be very dividing. Social media can be like that. And I'm, I'm kind of nice. Yeah. It's nice to see how it's sort of going the other way. Um, as an individual I, perspective, how do you look at it? Yeah. I think something that I was not expecting to come out of social media was imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. I was not expecting that. And when it hit, it knocked me back. And I didn't even know what it was. As I think many people, they do, they when it hits, they don't really know. They just know that suddenly you're not feeling great. And you're comparing. In my case, I was comparing, feeling not great, feeling I was not worthy, um, not good enough. That I was like, people were like applauding the facade. And it was just a very bizarre feeling. And I couldn't, and, and for me especially, I didn't even realize this, but I, I know I'm very competitive, but the comparison game, oh, it's really painful. Mm. Uh, really, really painful. So I actually would work really hard to sort of be like, okay, well, I might be feeling all these feelings, so I'm going to work twice as hard because then I can use the fact that I'm working at least I'm trying, like, at least I'm trying, like, as my sort of, like, argument. But then what that then did was create intense burnout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's all, like, part of this cycle where I felt bad, so then I would, like, work extra hard to be like, no, I'm working hard, I'm pushing through. I'm like, even though I wasn't enjoying it. I find but that... I would be like, no, no. I was yeah. going to say, I find that interesting because your art comes from yourself right like you're a very like mm. centric focus in terms of you're creating these stories and these narratives that I'm almost surprised that you've encountered a fair bit of imposter syndrome because you're developing your own sort of work and style and um yeah I, I, I don't know how I would feel if I were you like trying to compare myself to other people because you're doing something incredibly unique to yourself well, what I did was um, I started. I noticed that there were other fairy tale, and other fairy tale um, inspired photographers, mm -hmm. and I thought I would create a community, which I did. So I have a community group on Facebook called Fairy Tales and Fantasy with Balakai Back, and it brought together an incredible amount of talented artists. It is one of the best things I've done because. I now am connected to so many cool people in the world yeah. and artists and like we all support each other and nurture each other's art. But then when you see so much cool stuff, you feel like you're not very good. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, do, I, I so get then that. That's what happened. Yeah. So it was like the best thing I created, but potentially some, somehow, and I'm confessing this, I think for the first time. For me, it did a real number on my self-confidence. No, I, I totally understand that. I go through that a lot. Like my, my go-to on imposter syndrome is 
from a confidence perspective, I'm immensely confident in the human being I am, uh, in my desire and my drive to be like a good person and create work that makes me happy. Um, mm. I do primarily street and documentary photography, and I was very lucky to recently have one of my photographic idols on my podcast, Stefan Vanasco. And I was super like stunned about his work and his process. And the images that he creates are, to me, uncomparable to any other street photographer out there. He's my number one. So then when I look at what I've created in relation to him, there's no comparison, right? I could never live up to that sort of level of skill and work. That being said, I think the best thing that I learned about imposter syndrome is that because it is primarily focused on what we compare our work to on a digital landscape, and it's not actually real life, like when I was super hyper focused on the number of followers that I have or number of likes I get on a photo. And you start putting that context into real world uh, practicality. If you had 50 people like one of your photos and you have a, a gallery showing and 50 people show up, that's a lot of people. Right. Yeah. But the way we view social media, if you don't have 2.5 million Instagram followers, you're not a success. So the wow. the way in which in which we measure success digitally is so beyond what we would practically experience in real life yeah. that it just warps our understanding of like what is like <laughs> success. <laughs> you're not wrong. That is very, very, very true. And then sometimes the best thing to do, which is what I did is take a step back from social media. Mm -hmm. Take it back and get some perspective. So I did that. And I was a bit scared, I'll be honest, because the algorithm really, really does not work for artists. Mm -hmm. It bullies artists. and uh, But at the same time, it was one of the best things I did. So I took a step back for about two years to really wow. take a, yeah, just take a rest and sort my head out and figure out that I'm pretty cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, I, I, like, genuinely, I'm okay. Like, I'm pretty cool. Like, by myself, I'm very satisfied. I, like you said, I focus very hard on just being a really good person. And that's honestly, like, yeah, you're already stepping in the right direction just with that. Um, and now I've, like, come back again, and I really feel like that's why I could talk about my triggers for imposter syndrome like now because I, I wouldn't even acknowledge it back then because wow. I didn't want it. it was in, in a box in the my in my mind yeah whereas I've had like it took it takes time to take it out go through it figure yourself out and then come back I always I, I counter imposter syndrome and like confidence issues like the first five minutes when I'm about to do like a shoot it doesn't matter what it is or if I've shot with someone for the hundredth time or whatever. It's like that first five minutes and you take like two really shitty photos. You're like, oh my God, I'm the worst. What am I doing? <laughs> um, I'm super curious. You, you've obviously spent a number of years developing your style and your storytelling. Mm. How does your confidence grow each time you get behind the camera? Oh, yeah. I'm very confident behind the camera. <laughs> I'm fine. That. That's my favorite part of the like when when it comes to creating art and everything it's not the post-production it's not I mean it's really fun post-production and it's really fun sharing it because you can attach all the stories you want to share and then you see people's like reactions but my favorite part is being on the shoot creating the scene pulling it all together vibing with my team with my subject and 
I know, and it sounds so crazy to say, I know we'll get a good shot. Like, I know it. Like, there's no, I try and never leave any doubt in my mind because I, like, I guess this is actually a really good tip. There's some things you focus on and some things you don't. And if you're going to focus on something, focus on just nailing it. Mm. Like, mentally going, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to nail it. And I think in a way it's just um, saying, like, affirmations, saying it out loud. So I just do that. I'm like, I'm going to get it, Grace. I'm going to get it. And then I look for it. So then I move around. Like initially, and many times this has happened, we would have set up, spent ages setting up. And I'll take a few shots, I'll move around, and I'm like, oh, this is not it. <laughs> this is not, I'm not feeling the feeling I want to feel right now, which is like, oh, wow, like that's the feeling. Um, so then, yeah, I'll sometimes I just get the model up and we move, and then I'll set up somewhere else. And just figure it out. But I know mentally I'm going to get it. And I just chase the wow shot. And the moment I get the wow shot, I know it's a success. And even sometimes when I don't get the wow shot, I still feel like I can create the wow shot in post-production using all the pieces that I've captured on set. That's cool. So so I feel like post-production is like backup, but I'm chasing the wow in real life on, on in the experience of shooting. Yeah. If, well, if you don't make it in the field, it's going to be hard to develop it in post right like you need to have yeah yeah but i collect the pieces so i i'm a very like puzzle you know i told you like i have my props and then i like take the subjects my landscape i'm a very like i love puzzles so it's the same with on the shoot so i'll make sure like i've got shots from different angles shots around the model maybe i'll get shots of hair flicking movement dress throwing different poses head poses and and then my final picture is usually a combination of like 50 images. And often it would be like a head from this picture and a hand from that (laughs) photo and like some flowers from somewhere else. And I like, I just piece it together because the goal is to get like one solid image, like visual. That's incredible. And that's where the the art comes in because you're consciously picking all of those things. How long would you say your your post-process like creative timeline is like? Yeah, it can take anything from like one hour to 20. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. I'm, I'm my worst enemy. Yeah. And I am so indecisive. So this is like really like intense. How do you know me. when you're done? Ooh, um, when I when I make adjustments and it looks the same, I tweak a lot. Like I'm a very much like I follow the flow, follow the feeling, um, sort of a creator so I just follow the feeling and follow the visual and when I notice I'm just making these tweaks but they're sort of like the same mm-hmm. I'm like okay we're, we're done now that's good yeah yeah. I struggle with yeah. that a lot in post-production like I never like I'll be sitting at the same image for an hour and I'll know it's the picture that I want to use for the shoot yeah. and for, for post purposes and whatnot but I'll I'll be in the weeds on it and I won't know until I like look at I've got I put a clock on my desk for this exact reason because uh. I was like oh fuck like I just <laughs> spent an hour 45 minutes like deleting hair right like you know yeah. I mean? like you could stop yeah. like there, no one's gonna notice it on Instagram and I'm sitting here Dude. like deleting strime by fucking strand like yeah it happens to the best of us yeah. so true yeah. I think it's really good though to sort of implement those tools that you can use to help you know when you're finished mm. So, for example, I know for some people, they have up their portfolio. Like, maybe they'll have, like, five or six pictures of their portfolio, then have it next to their picture, 
and like if it connects with it they're like okay yeah i'm done like oh. that's that's like, a you great know what I mean? idea. Like, yeah, yeah. I yeah, never so like, thought of that. Yeah. So that's a tool that you can use to know when you're done. And then there's like loads of other tools that you can sort of use to sort of get a sense of, okay, I'm done. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I never, ever consider that. That is shit. Wow. Why didn't I learn that like a Ooh. year ago? Damn. <laughs> I mean, because like, think about it. It comes from like Instagram. Because when someone's on your Instagram, you have, I think, like, I think 0.3, either it's three seconds or it's like 0.3 of a second. I to think capture it's three attention, seconds. yeah. Right, to capture attention, yeah. And so they'll just go through and then if there's, and usually the people that get followed the most are the people who, it's not even for the individual photo. People are not following for the individual photo. They're following for the consistency and the color turning connection. So like the visual consistency, the visual connection. Yeah, that's my so, my biggest struggle with social media because like I just don't give a shit. Like I like I yeah. used to be incredibly focused on growing and followers and like mm. that rat race that I got stuck on, and now yeah. I'm just posting the things that I love. Like I, I tell a, a similar story often. My favorite street photo that I've ever taken is a homeless person behind. Like it's just their their dirty foot sticking out behind their cart of like all of their worldly possessions, and it's. Yeah. incredibly powerful photo and i it's Mm. my one of my favorite photos i've ever taken every time i post it it gets like four likes because it's not Uh what people want to see right it's 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 detriment and it's like horrible and sad and but it evokes all those emotions and that's why i think it's an incredibly powerful photo but when i started reposting this photo and i keep posting it hoping that someone's going to be like this is incredible and it doesn't happen i realize social media is just not that's not where this photo is meant to live, right? This photo is meant to live for me in my space and it creatively picks me up as something that's, you know, But I amazing. think it's great that you still share it and you should share it because, again, what is social media for but to attract your people? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. social media is for, like, whatever you put out, you attract back in. So you are sharing this you're sharing your favorites you're sharing what you enjoy you're sharing your passion and i love that you're sharing your favorite pictures because that will attract the people the the right people to you Mm, and they might not have seen it the first time but you keep sharing it because you never know who's going to see it and come and come and find you i agree and connect with it too i love Mm. that and I, i completely agree i'm curious so i like i said i did a deep dive on your website and i was enamored with the tolkien series I'm curious. Oh, did you like it? Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker Yay. for Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, so oh. it goes without saying that I, I love those images. I'm super curious if you have a specific uh, series or set that you did of yours that is your favorite. Um, so a lot of my pictures are sort of standalone one-offs, and the main. If I was going to give it like an umbrella, there's one series that has sort of like an umbrella sort of name, which is the In Bloom series. Mm-hmm. I would say that's my favorite. And again, that's a series of standalone images, but they're sort of the unifying thread is the fact that I created them at a particular point in time. And In Bloom really does represent my evolution, both as an artist, because immediately you will recognize the earlier pieces from the later pieces. And as, as yeah, as a storyteller, because the stories just get more and more fascinating and elaborate as I go down learning all the skills and implementing them and gaining confidence as 
an artist, but also as a woman, like a girl slipping into womanhood. Because when I first started, I was very much a girl and very much like a young woman. And then I feel now I've definitely sort of settled into myself. Um, and that shows in the art. So that would be like my favorite series. But, it, but like you, it connects to you deeply. And mm -hmm. then you have to see who else it connects with. And sometimes some pieces of art, they just, yeah, they just connect more with others than, than, than with you. And that's okay. I think I read somewhere that when you share art online or share art into the world, it belongs to others now. And it's and not yours that was anymore. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That, I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Because others make of it what they will. I'm, you know, the thing that I struggle with is like I, I'm starting to try to reframe how I measure my career in terms of success, right? So mm -hmm. like for a, a lot of my corporate life, the success was measured by dollar figures and like shit, right? Like car, yeah. watch, house, blah, blah, blah. But like mm -hmm. in my art career, I'm not necessarily measuring it so much in dollars and cents, which would be a very pragmatic, easy way to measure success. I think it's sort of multifaceted in terms of this community that I'm being a part of, uh, opportunities yeah. that are brought to me, right? Like all these things are in effect replacing dollar figures, right? Like, or the only singular focus that I had when I worked in corporate America. Um, how do you measure success in your career? Also, don't forget, you forgot to mention the opportunities you create for yourself. Oh, absolutely. Like, Love like that. this podcast. Yes. You are creating these opportunities. So it's success is the, this avenue in your life that you've chosen is allowing you to create particular opportunities that maybe other avenues may not. Have. Amen. True that. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is success for me? I think it's very similar to you. Initially, it was monetary. And I think a lot of that was driven by the fact that my parents really wanted me to do a vocation that they felt I was earning a particular income. So I come like, I guess any, honestly, any person from an Asian background <laughs> or a South Asian background yeah. will tell you that one thing we all have in common is our parents accepting A's, not B's. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, you had to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? Yeah. Accountant. Yeah. Or, accountant. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. It's wonderful. Sure. But if you're an artist, then you have you you're sort of fighting like a bit of a battle there. Um so for me, success initially was about the income because I really wanted to show my friends that look, I can make it. Like I yeah. didn't make the wrong choice, and now you can support me because I'm doing okay. Um I'll be honest, I, I didn't quite hit that. <laughs> I work really hard at it and it is what it is. But the reality is now success is a lot different for me, what it is. Um, success for me is I don't need a lot of money. I just need enough to have a solid, happy life. Mm -hmm. um, I want to have good relationships with everybody in my life. And I want to be able to create what I want when I want to. Um, and the freedom to create. That's, like, that's, that's for me success. Being able to be free, have time to make art. Um, and also I broke my ankle last year. So now success is for me to just stay as healthy as possible. Oh, dang. That's rough. <laughs> because it was, it was, it was doing a shoot. Like what happened? <laughs> oh my God. I was frolicking in the woods. So you got half of that, right? Yeah. Um, I was not doing a shoot. I was location scouting, but okay. also just having 
fun with friends. And I just did a slip and fall. Ouch. <laughs> That's rough. It was rough, but it really made me think that, damn, like I have one body and I'm so thankful that I have two, like two legs and I'm, I'm able to move and I have my hands and now I'm going to use them. I think the... I don't know why I needed that break to remind me of that. I think it's also like, you know, you're... That was like your life's way of telling you to slow down, right? And I think that mm. was an important lesson sort of learned over the last two years of this pandemic. Like the important things in life are not the materialistic things. It is the people, the friends, the family, the, the people that you surround yourself in your life because there are no guarantees, you know? There's crazy yeah. shit going on in the world and, you know, it, it, anything can happen. And that's what... Your life can change in like a second. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. why like building your life around the things that make you happy and fill you up are crucial. I think you reach a certain point, probably somewhere around 30, where life starts making a lot more sense. And I ask the question all the time and I, I'm never going to get the the answer is like, could 21 year old John have learned the things that like 30 and 35 year old John learned? And I don't think that I could have. Right. It takes life experience. Yeah, which is why I really, truly believe we need to change the age of what we define as adults. Because this is a conversation, this is a topic I really feel so passionately about. We classify adult at 18. You're a child. Child. And you're still growing at 25. I genuinely feel that the adult age is 30. I agree. Because at 30, you have a solid sense of self and you are less likely to be swayed by the people around you Mm -hmm. into particular decisions until then you're still a kid no matter how grown up you think you are that's why our 20s are so vicious (laughs) because we're figuring it out and chaotic (laughs) they're chaotic they're turbulent they are you're still in teenagehood in their 20s i agree with you completely i think that is an unfortunate conversation that will never take place that will never be had and I think the simple fact is that like humans for one reason or another don't respect the fact that we're all inherently flawed, right? So like a mistake yeah. that you make at 25 can be replicated at 35 and that's not okay. And like there's just, you know, there's, I agree there should be a reframing of like what age is and like what adulthood means. And I just think that because of like the hypersensitive cancel culture we live in, it'll never happen. It's an unfortunate thing, but, you know, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I think that, I really hope that's a conversation we can have one day. I don't know. Let's make a TikTok about it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't dance, though. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to dance yeah. on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> you just need confidence. <laughs> <laughs> that I have. That I have. Um, I've been super lucky that I think I've had, like, a an incredibly unique journey over the last year and a half, almost two years. And I have a lot that I'm proud of that I've been able to accomplish in that time period. Um, What is something that you're proud of that you've accomplished over the last two years? I would say really giving myself a rest. I worked really hard um, from 2014 till until 2019 between trying to figure like my architecture career and then not like maybe figuring out what photography was and saying yes to a lot of things and not giving myself any break in between, I really struggled with burnout. So the last two years was a, was a, was a way for me to just come back to myself because I'd lost myself. Um, 
in terms of achievement, I still took photos and I still uh, created, which was really therapeutic. And actually that's when photography, after, you know, taking it easy and lighter on myself became more fun again. And I realized the power of it. One of the things I really loved doing was a remote photo shoot with my friend Holly. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, I never considered remote photo shoots. It wasn't even like on my radar. Holly had mentioned it to me a couple of times. And I was like, oh, I'll just come up to you. Like, it's easier. But then we were in lockdown and I hadn't created. And we, she was like, are you sure you don't want to try this? Like, it might be fun. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Like, I'm not doing anything tomorrow. And so we planned to shoot. And it was the most exciting shoot that I've ever had. And it was remote. So here I am in Oxford. There she is in another city altogether. We're miles and miles apart. But we're creating art together through technology, through the phone and my computer. I'm taking the shots, setting the camera settings via my computer. Wow. And... Yeah, and she's in front of it, and I'm guiding her through our WhatsApp video into position, asking her to move the flowers around. She'll move the camera around because I'll take a shot here, a shot there. We'll move the camera to get the angle I like. And then she'll just, I'll just like direct her into poses, and she, she was it. And that is where my picture Eve was, how my picture Eve was created. Wow. Yes. Wow. It's wild. That the is wild. Wow. Mm. I tried that once during the lockdown and failed miserably. They're, they're terrible. and <laughs> I did try it, though. I, I'll i be honest. I thought it was going to be terrible. I actually told her that, Holly, I'll just, like, pay you because if this fails, then at least I know I've covered you. Yeah. <laughs> like, covered yeah. you across. <laughs> like, please don't have any expectations from me. Yeah, that's funny. And then we created this together. So I'm just, like, so stoked. That's awesome. I'm curious. So you have like a lot of intentionality behind your work, right? So I'm, mm. I'm sort of curious how like the creative workflow. So like when, when I'm, when I think of like my creativity, it's like, I think of it like a bank, right? Like as things happen, mm -hmm. my creative bank grows and I'm more willing to go out and make work. And sometimes like I just wake up and I've had a shitty night's sleep and my creative bank is like super low. Um, when you yeah. have like a lot that goes into the, like the shoots that you, and the, and the concepts that you build and these stories that you're telling, like when you're done, do you feel like creatively spent and like it takes some time to sort of like build that back up? Yes. That's another fantastic question. Holy shit. You're <laughs> killing it today, John. <laughs> like, <you>. wow. <laughs> you're not wrong. And I really felt that, like, so deeply in my soul. I was like, I've used it all up. Like, I've used up my creativity. I've been creating nonstop. And I was like, are they all looking the same? Like, am I just creating the same thing in different ways? And I wasn't sure. And I genuinely thought, like, that's it. Like, this is my capacity now as an artist and I wonder if we've ever reached like I think I think now maybe people do like artists do have this feeling I'm not sure but I know I did and my husband was the one who was like telling me that no you're you're creative like you'll always create he's like no matter what happens you'll be you're creative you'll always be a creative and you still have a lot more to give even if you don't know it it's within you and that was so wild mm -hmm. because I I sat with that for a bit, like, oh, it's within me. And you know how you said bank? So I just, I don't imagine bank. I just imagine an ocean. Yeah. So I think the visual really helps because the bank feels like it's a vault 
and it's finite. But the ocean encompasses the world and it's water which flows everywhere and it can flow through any crack. And so if you just, and I, this is like the, the, what I've been practicing now is imagining my creativity as water or air or wind. It's an, it just is in the world. It just exists Shit. in the world. I need to yeah. steal that. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's really good. I'm gonna, Shit. yeah. Because I, I do, I I do consider my creativity like a bank or like a cup, right? And it's mm-hmm. like only so full at times, and sometimes I'm not feeling yeah. it. Sometimes I don't have like the energy or the desire to like go work and like do the thing that I love. And then once you start yeah. doing it, once I've never been in a situation where the camera's in my hand, I'm like, wow, this is terrible. I don't want to do this, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how I know it's the thing I love most in this world. But I do. It's like, it's like, you know, imposter syndrome. It's confidence issues. It's all those things that build up before I pull the camera out of my bag. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, sit with it. I sat with that for a while. He, Because he, all he said was, it is within you. And I just sat with that and I just thought, oh my God, if it's within me, it could be whatever I want it to be. Huh. And so for me, it is the it is like, it is infinite. Wow. So, Shit. so yeah. Mm. Damn. This is like therapy yeah. shit. Um, it, takes, it takes the pressure off. <laughs> it takes the pressure off completely. Yeah. Then you know, like it, it you're, you are it. Like that's it. It's infinite. Like it's within you. I mm. do. I do think sometimes, like the tools that I use, aid or detract from creativity. Like, uh, so I find myself shooting film more often than digital, just from mm. like a creative perspective and the constraints yeah. put on that way uh, to create. Mm-hmm. Like, I will mm-hmm. primarily only shoot street photography on film because i think Mm. there's something poetic about a moment that's fleeting that is also captured not like with 700 images but with like one or two and some of my favorite photos that i've taken when i look at like it's like say it's a three frame dance like the one that i end up loving is very specific and intentional um yeah to that moment um you work with a camera that's like very intentional and slow. How do you think that tool aids in your creative process? I think it's good to have boundaries because for me, I've always found that I work best within constraints. I like to push against them. I feel like whenever I have too many options or too many, um, yeah, too many options, it's very difficult for me to select the right one. Whereas for me, I use the Phase 1. It's a medium format camera. It is a heavy camera. You can't really shoot fast with it. So there is my boundary. And it's great because it means that when I take a shot, I've thought about it. And it's a, I've thought about the moment that's coming because the Phase doesn't really capture the moment that is. It captures the moment that's coming. Mm. So that means I have to look, look with intention at my subject and how she's moving and posing to see the moment that's coming so that I can, I can snap, I can press it for that moment. Wow. It's wild, but I love it. Yeah. It is a wild camera for sure. Oh my God. But it's just incredible. Like the the colors you can create with it, the size. And for me, my goal has always been to see my art big in a public space. And I still yet to realize that vision. And I really hope it doesn't happen after I'm dead, but like, my goal print, is print to your like work. see print your work. I do, I do. Oh, okay. I do have big prints of my work, but I want like big prints in the world. Yeah, like a billboard, right? Um oh like anything, like a billboard in a museum, in a gallery, like 
in someone's like giant, I don't know, building. I don't know. Make it happen. Um, that's that's yeah. You're that's right. my goal for you this year, like a hundred okay, by hundred print. I mean, that would be oh. sick. Yeah, yeah. Bigger, okay. two hundred by two hundred. Yeah, that's massive. <laughs> 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 yeah, that'd be that'd be incredible. But like, it, I like mean, you'll if, be in the photo. Then. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, if that's what you want, that should be like what you're doing, right? Mm. Like that's what you're like mm. aiming to create. Yeah, um, I feel like the metaverse though can offer really exciting opportunities. Not gonna lie, because you can immerse yourself in the piece. Uh, so, if you, like, create for it. I'm glad you brought that up. My, I'm struggling mightily with with NFTs and the digital space with artwork because what we do is inherently physical, right? Like we, mm-hmm. the thing that we create, it happens in real life. And I know that yeah. 99% of photos live in a digital space. Mm. Like I'm, I'm putting together my first NFT project and I'm just having a hard time finishing it because I'm not connecting to it from a creative perspective. Like I, mm. I know what I want to make and I know what photos I want to include. And I know the project that I want to finish but I'm not yeah. launching it because I don't feel connection to it. But when I sell a print and I go to the photo studio to get it printed and I pick it up yeah. and I hold it in my hand, that's real, right? And I have a visceral connection to that art. And I'm struggling yeah. right now with the digital space. And that's why I spend a lot of time on these Twitter spaces to get inspired yeah. to create. Because I think it is the obvious next evolution of art and photography. Um, yes. But I do struggle. I am struggling with it currently because I just I don't I, I I don't know what I don't know, and for some reason I'm having a hard time like connecting with it. Well, for me, the way I think about it is that it's just people, mm-hmm. like like the whole metaverse, NFT communities, all of this. We're just people, and it's people who want to just support your work in a different way. So it's a shame that you don't connect to it because, because actually I would like for you too. Because um, that's a nice feeling. Because ultimately, who do we create art sports really except for ourselves? Yeah. So, I'm, then I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, but then sometimes some pieces that I don't connect with will put that into the world because I feel like, no, they belong in the world. Connect with others. And then I'm happy that I was a vessel that created something that connected with somebody else. Mm. So while it might not connect with you, it may connect with somebody else. And you were the creator through which that piece came into fruition to bring joy to somebody else. So that's pretty cool, too. That's a fair point. When you think about it that way. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's one of those things where I need to start giving myself space, right, to live within this sort of digital realm and understand that it's okay to not be sold on it completely and still want to create in the space and, you know, build in it yeah um like i love the community aspect of it like getting opportunities to meet amazing people like you and some other people have been tremendous it's been fantastic um yeah and then my part of it it just hasn't come yet but it it will i'll I'll eventually yeah (laughs) it will i feel like with anything in life you just sort of hammer at it and one day the nail goes in yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um i like to spend the last bit of every podcast doing sort of like a rapid uh not rapid but like a q a um Hmm. you can take you know two to three answers or every question doesn't matter some are easy some are a little bit more in depth but um first question is are you happy right now i'm like i'm happy that's great yeah what's your favorite book 
several. Um, Secret Garden, hmm. Little Princess, and oh my god, so many books. <laughs> I would say those two for now because they popped into my mind immediately. So we'll go with them. Favorite movie? Uh, Crimson Peak. Really? And yeah, because it's so visually oh, pretty. Oh yeah, it was incredible. Oh. Yeah. Like very, very pretty. Shape of Water, I really liked oh, as well. God, beautiful film. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What's your favorite? I feel food? like I watched something recently that was really good as well, but I can't remember what it was. So. My, my, I say like I'm glad I'm the one that asked these questions because I watch everything, literally everything. Yeah. So I'm the me worst too. person. Which, like I'm single. Someone's like, "Oh, what's your favorite movie?" I'm like, "I don't." I How don't, do you pick? It's impo- It's like whatever. Like I watch a lot lately is my new favorite. <laughs> Same. What's Same. Your, what's what's your favorite food? I would say pizza. Nice. Yeah, I'm gluten intolerant, which makes it really uh, hard, unfortunately. So, whenever I find a good gluten free pizza, I feel like I found a slice of heaven. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard life. <laughs> um, do you believe in an afterlife? I don't. I believe in an. I guess some would say reincarnation, but I believe that energy doesn't go anywhere but back into the world. So I don't know if I believe it, but I like the concept of it. I like that. That today I'm a human being and tomorrow I could be a flower or a kitten. Or both. I really hope I come back as a cheetah. (laughs) Oh my God. Cheetah is my favorite non-dog animal. Oh, yay. That's so so lovely. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. What's, uh, What's your biggest fear? Uh, to be misunderstood and jailed for it. <laughs> jailed for it. That is very specific. <laughs> because so many people are in jail, they shouldn't be in jail. Like, I feel so bad for them. But, like, how many of them are photographers? <laughs> in the UK. Granted, photographers in other parts of the world definitely can be, you know, that happens. But like you just don't know with the world. I watch it like I told you. I like like you. I watch a lot of things. <laughs> Too much. So <laughs> Too much. You know. You know that not everything is out of scope. So I think that would be like my biggest fear. Or like right now, also losing like, like my family members would really throw me for a loop. Yeah. What's your biggest yeah. dream? Um. I think we know. Biggest dream is to. Well, I think actually. To have a house, because that's something I've wanted since I was eighteen, and I I still haven't I have I don't have it yet. That I bought myself, or that I've designed myself and built myself. Oh, cool! That's like if we're gonna go big, like that's the biggest dream. Like, have my house that I've designed, built myself, where all of my creative friends can come and play, and we can live a very happy life together. I love that. Until we grow old and die. Yeah. I like that. I, I too would like to live in a home that I design. I'm a few million yeah. I'm a few million short, but I'll get there eventually. <laughs> we dream big. Yeah. What is your biggest inspiration? Um nature, hundred percent. Hmm. Yeah, colours, the sunsets, the sunrises, the earth, the tactile beauty of a world creating itself without human beings. Yeah, I like that. What's uh, what's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? That you that I am a photographer and I was meant, I was 
put here to do that. Hmm. So I should do it. She stopped dicking around and just do it. <laughs> that came out very British, but I love that. <laughs> Quit dicking around. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what is uh, what is your best piece of advice? To just do it. Whatever it is you want to do, just do it. Like, don't second guess it. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't even have to enjoy the process. But if you want to do it, do it. Yeah, that, I get that a lot. And uh, I think it's crucially important to be um, hammered home a lot because we live in constant fear of rejection and constant fear of judgment that people often don't do that. And that goes to turn with my favorite piece of advice is don't worry about the wreckage of the future. Who the fuck knows mm -hmm. what's going to happen? You might as well exactly. make sense of today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Hmm. Last question. What is a recommendation that you have for something that you've recently consumed? Could be a book you read, a podcast, TV show, a movie, just something that you've recently consumed that you would like everyone to check out. A Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, yeah. Three's coming out. Wait, I... you ready for this? It sucks. Three years. I know. I read that as well. I was like, oh, so far away. And the crazy thing is, I feel like it could be a series. Yeah. Like, it's so annoying that I'm waiting like years between episodes. It's crazy. I think too, I think Quiet Place 2 is one of those rare examples where the sequel was better than the original. Yeah, it was. I have, I need to rewatch the original again because I know I loved it. And then A Quiet Place Part 2 was just so, so good. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, again, that comes back to your favorite movie because when I was watching that, I was like, I could watch this again. Yeah. Yeah, 100% recommend. Also, the way the storytelling process was for John... Um, Krasinski. The Krasinski, yes, who made it. He, in some of his interviews, he shared, elaborated on that. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And how they created it, like... Did you read it? They just go went off somewhere small and made it happen. Yeah. Well, it was like uh, yeah. the constraints of the pandemic, right? I think they mm. didn't have the luxury of the first one where they had bigger budgets and freedom to roam around the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think he, uh, so I love everything that he does going back to the office to, to quiet mm. place too. And the, uh, shoot, what's the series he does on Amazon? I can't remember. Um, whatever. I love him. I think he's mm. an incredibly Me wonderful too. creative, um, but yeah, so great. Him and Emily. Him and Emily Blunt. Oh my goals. God. She's just goals. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Such goals. Oh, it was really. There, such goals. There's a, I'll send you after we hop off. There's a really funny interview clip uh, where they were talking about how she was Mary Poppins and her kids were like, you suck at this. How are you supposed to be Mary Poppins or whatever? I was like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I'm like, oh my going God, to yeah, like the... send it to me. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> um, I definitely will. Uh, Bella, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to get this opportunity to chat. I, uh, I'm super appreciative of your time. I have a really cheesy line. If you've been on my podcast, you're part of my family. So thank you so much. Mm. I really appreciate it and uh, have a great rest of your night. John, thank you so much for having me. This was an honor and a pleasure. So oh. thank you. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.